Well, good morning, church family. It is my joy to introduce this morning to you uh, Pastor Abby Todd, who comes to us this morning from Louisiana. Abby and his wife, uh, Kelly, have two 10-month-old, 11-month-old uh, twin children, Roman and Ruby. And we were blessed to have found Abby and his wife uh, during our search for a campus pastor for our Haines Creek campus. It's been a joy to interview Abby and to hear his heart and to hear about all that God has done in his life in bringing him to this point in ministry. And we had he and Kelly in uh, just a few weeks ago. Uh, some of you may remember, uh, you didn't know who they were at the time, but they were here to worship with us and uh, to interview with our team. And uh, we were just very delighted uh, and pleased to extend the job offer to Abby. And so Abby comes this morning uh, to preach to us. Uh, from the book of 1 Corinthians on what it means to be a fool for Christ. Uh, at the conclusion of our service, after we recognize our graduates, then our personnel co uh, committee and our deacon chairman will call our church into conference. And in each of our services, uh, we will vote this morning uh, to bring Abby and his wife Kelly onto our pastoral staff team as our next campus pastor for the Haines Creek campus. Abby has a Master of Divinity degree and a Master of Theology degree from Southern Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, and is currently pursuing a doctoral degree from New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary while he is there in Louisiana. So we're delighted, Abby, to have you this morning. You come. You bring God's word to us. Thank you, brother. Good morning. How are y'all? I'm from Kentucky <clears throat> originally. And so even though I uh, pastor in Baton Rouge, um, I'm in enemy territory of sorts because I'm a proud University of Kentucky graduate. <laughs> I don't know if that's good to lead with or not. Amen. Um, <laughs> um, it is a little regrettable that I have to make a first impression with you without my better half. Um, she is my best friend, and she is my, um, my companion, and, and now I'm a father. Um, we, as uh, Cody mentioned, um, we became parents to twins 11 months ago, and their names are Roman and Ruby, and uh, you'll get to meet them, hopefully, God willing. And um, they're, they're at home right now, and just the only reason they couldn't make it is just because anyone who's parented at that age, they're, just, they're, like, they're eating like every 30 minutes, um, or sleeping. It, it's really hard being a baby, it really is. Um, and so uh, we just didn't want, it was really for them, honestly. Um, and so I, I just wanted to make that clear. I, I don't like making first impressions, especially to our body, without... Um, my other half. My name is Abby. Um, I'm the, there's actually, believe it or not, there's two other Abbies in my hometown. They're my dad and my granddad. <laughs> um, it's a family name. Um, my granddad came, came home from World War II and changed his name from Oswald to Abby because that was what kids called him growing up. And uh, he ran out of names, apparently, because he named his third son Abby, and uh, I'm Abby. And so I'm the third Abby. I'm not the third. I, we all, he gave us a measure of freedom, and, you know, 
um, identity with giving us all our own middle names. So back home, I'm Abby Tyler. Um, and actually, back home, I'm Little Abby. Even though my dad is here, um, I will always be Little Abby. Um, and so that's where I get my name. If, if you kind of were wondering why they hire somebody with a weird name, um, there you go. <clears throat> and I remember, as I said, I'm from Owens, maybe I didn't say, I'm from Owensboro, Kentucky. I don't know if anyone's ever been there. It's in Western Kentucky. I saw a hand. Wow. We're not known for much. Um, we claim to be the barbecue capital of the world, but I don't think anyone else thinks that, but we think that. Um, and, um, you know, it's, it's a good place to be raised. And, and I tell you, most of my family is from Henderson, which is just down the road. Um, and I remember distinctly the first time I drove to go tell my grandma and my granddad that uh, their grandson was going to be a preacher. And I remember that day. And I remember it for a couple reasons. One, I remember it for the two things that my grandmother immediately told me right after I told them. She said two things. The first was, bless your heart. And the second was, do you need any money? <laughs> and it was then in that morning that I realized that I was entering into, in some ways, a foolish profession. Not a lot of preachers in the Todd family. And this morning, I would contend that it's not just pastors who are called to be fools for Christ. If you go to the scriptures, I would actually contend that we are all called to be fools. And if we're not prepared to look foolish for Christ in this world, we will have no part of him. So if you would, if you wouldn't mind turning your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 through 31... And while you're turning there, I'd like, you to, I'd like you to ponder this question before we go and start reading God's Word. What does it mean to live foolishly for Jesus? What does it mean to live foolishly for our Lord? And I'm going to begin reading. Verses 18 through 31. If you could stand for the reading of God's Word. I don't know if y'all do that here. Oh, I like that y'all do that here, because I like that. Here we go. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For Consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are." 
so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, as uh, Cody said, once give us fresh eyes to see this text one we all know very well let us come upon this knowing that these are the oracles of your word and they are profitable to our souls so that we can come away having listened to your words gleaned your wisdom and becoming fools for your kingdom and all these things we ask in your son's name amen you may be seated You know, it's easy to read a text like that and go, you know, I mean, Christianity might be foolish in California or New York City, but, you know, son, this is Covington. Not foolishness around here. Well, you know what Paul's answer to that kind of logic is? You want to bet? In 2017, it's still a little foolish to pray in public. In 2017, it's still a little foolish to make sure your child's commitment to church comes before their commitment to a ball game. In 2017, it's still a little foolish to spend your vacation and your hard-earned money on a mission trip. In 2017, it's still a little foolish for a social conservative to befriend a social liberal for the sake of the gospel. In 2017, it's still a little foolish for you to base your career choice on God's calling and not how much money you make. Is the gospel still foolishness in Covington, Georgia? You bet it is. I don't even live here and I know that. How? Because Paul just said in verse 18, the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. That means anywhere there are people in need of salvation, the gospel is going to be foolishness. And it also means that anywhere there are people saved by Jesus, there will also be people boasting in their foolishness. And that's not just coincidence, that's by design. Y'all gonna need to keep your Bibles handy because I'm going through expositorily, if that's a word. Verses 19 through 21. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world for since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe in other words God wants his wisdom to be at odds with worldly wisdom God wants his gospel to appear foolish to the world he wants it that way he designed it that way Paul says it pleased him to do that And we're going to talk about why. God wants his people to appear foolish to the world. But but not just that. He wants the world's wisdom to appear foolish to us. The only reason today Christians are completely okay with looking like fools to the world is because we believe that everything the world has to offer us from an eternal perspective is complete nonsense. For example, according to this world, it's not professional to say the name Jesus Christ in public. 
even though it's the name above all names, and even though it's the only name by which we can be saved. That's complete foolishness. According to this world, being pro-life means being against women's rights, even though we're trying to save millions of unborn little women. That's complete foolishness. Don't make any sense. According to this world, sexual freedom is now more important than moral integrity, even such to the extent that you can actually deny the very gender you were born with. It doesn't make sense to us. Why? Because the more we grow in the wisdom of God's word, the less appealing and the less sensible this world makes to us. We're aliens. And, I, you know, it's actually a good, it just, it just worked out this is Senior Recognition Sunday because this is a message that seniors need to hear. You're going to stick out. Now, as we'll see, that doesn't mean we completely withdraw from the world. We're actually called to the world. But if our lives as Christians don't appear a little foolish to somebody, Paul says we've abandoned the gospel. If a church becomes so good at being relevant that it's not a little foolish, chances are it just adopted worldly wisdom. Parents, grandparents, we need this message to explain to our children. We need this message when they want to go to that really cool party with those really cool kids with all that really good worldly wisdom going around. Kids today, they don't need a I told you so. They need a lesson in gospel foolishness is what they need. Verse 20, Paul says, Where's the one who's wise? Where's the scribe? Where's the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? In other words, God says, You show me someone who this world says is really wise, and I'll show you someone who's a fool in the kingdom of God. Parents, grandparents. I mean, we got so many. People are just smart around here. I haven't even spent much time. People are just smart. Let's just remember this. A child who goes to college and works hard and gets great grades, maybe even straight A's, joins clubs, goes to law school, goes to med school, gets a really good job, and never, ever finds a local body of believers, it's our job to come around that child and go, when did Jesus become foolish to you? See, the world might say that's wise, not the church. We don't, we don't think, we, we, don't, we think differently than the world. We, we operate according to different rules. We have different logic in here. We're like a little colony of heaven, and we're designed to tell other people how the mind of Christ operates. But it's hard. Our job as parents and grandparents is want to tell our kids to shoot for the stars and reach for the dreams. And that's not a bad thing, but here's the thing. Our job is not to make sure our kids reach their dreams. It's to make sure our kids become foolish dreamers. We don't want the American dream. You can have it. We don't want it. We want the name of Christ magnified in our lives. That's what we want. But the world looks at that and goes, that's kind of weird. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. 
The greatest and most foolish thing you could ever do on this earth is to preach a crucified Christ. This, it makes no sense to, that, to this world. What would all them Christians hollering about? That guy named Jesus nailed to a tree. I don't get that. It's the power of salvation. It means we don't got to go to hell. We get to spend eternity with God. That's what that means. It means he's our substitute and he paid our debt. We look at a dying man on a tree and we see life. And they looking and going, eh, I don't get it. The power of gospel unto salvation is what we see. It means I was lost and now I'm found. That's what that cross means. Why? This world keeps making fun of Christians. It's been making fun of Christians since the beginning. And some, for some reason, probably the Holy Spirit, we just keep reveling in our foolishness. And we've been doing it so long, people keep going, why are they doing that? But the cross hadn't gone anywhere. Why? Because we love Jesus more than our public perception. That's why. This might be a bad analogy, but following after Christ is kind of like when I started dating Kelly. Some of y'all going, oh, I got to hear this. When I was starting to date Kelly, I would put on my really nice clothes and I would slick back my hair and put on like, you know, too much really bad cologne. And then my roommates and my friends would make fun of me. You know what I said? I'm going on a date with a pretty girl and you're just mad. It's the same principle. When we fall in love with Jesus, we become fools for Jesus, and we don't care if everybody knows. Now, somebody might go, you know, okay, Abby, I mean, I get that, but you know, how are we supposed to get people to come to church if we're just foolish all the time? Yeah, that's, that's a decent question. I mean, Abby, I get that. I get that we stick out, but, man, we got to, you know, we at least got to make a little appeal to get people here, am I right? I mean, put out some donuts or something. <laughs> It's almost like Paul expected that question because he goes in verses 26 through 28. I'm going to read them. For consider your callings, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. God declares a foolish gospel because God has chosen the foolish. We just preach Christ crucified. We don't have to turn a church into a marketing firm. You know why? Because God says if we preach Christ crucified, he's going to bring them right through that door. <clears throat> Sinners going to come. Why? Because, as Tim just said, sung. Jesus receiveth sinful men. That's our message. It's the, you know what? Believe it or not, it's the same message we've been preaching for 2,000 years. <laughs> and it works. It still works. This world is telling us we got to get up with the times and we're telling them that they need to receive Jesus. There's probably, you know, that's why I, I, I was supposed to be a dentist in college. As you can see, that didn't work out. 
And you know what, I, I say this kind of facetiously, but there's a little truth to it. I always tell people, you know I know I was coming to preach here? Because it's simple, I, I just do the same thing all the time. I just preach the same message. You know what's amazing? It never gets old. He calls the poor, he calls the down and out, he calls the awkward, he calls the outsider, he calls the unintelligent, he calls the average. If you think you have no value or worth in this life, receive the precious blood of Jesus and watch your stock go up. That's our message. That will be our message at Haynes Creek, as I know it is here. Now it's important to note, this is a little aside here, this message has historically been distorted in what has been called the social gospel. And the, gospel, the social gospel says that God always favors the poor and he always opposes the rich. That's not true. You can see how they distort it like that. That's not what this passage is saying. Because, of course, if the church were just full of poor people, there'd be no wealthy people to give generously and help out and do great things for the kingdom. You don't have to be poor or ugly or stupid to be a Christian. If, you, if, you, if, if it was just for ugly people and unsuccessful people, then, then Cody couldn't be here. Sorry, I, I had to put that in. That was just, all right, compliment senior pastor, check. All right, good deal, all right, good deal. You don't have to be ugly or poor or dumb to be a Christian, but you do have to be humble. And that is so hard when the world loves you so much. My wife is a Miss Teen, former Miss Teen Illinois. She would hate it if she knew I was telling you that. And she can tell you all about how the world will lavish praises on you and tell you how, much, how pretty you are and how successful you are and how you're something. And she can also tell you how quickly this world moves on to someone else. Sure, Jesus may be a little foolish now, but he'll never forsake you. The yoke is easy and the burden is light. That has to be our message because this world keeps rejecting people and we keep receiving them. Because this world looks so enticing, but it, but it doesn't last. That's what we keep trying to tell our kids. They're going to learn it. So, I mean, with something we kind of see sometimes maybe they don't get it now. We go, and they're going to learn it. We just try to raise them up in the way they should go so that when the world does beat them down, they know who their anchor is. That has to be our message to a bruised and battered people because this world keeps chewing people up and spitting them out. And the cross is still here. I think a good question to ask at this point is, why exactly did it please God to make it all set up like this? Why did, why did it please God to make his church look foolish? I think that's a pretty legitimate question to ask. Verses 29 through 31. So that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, and sanctification and redemption. So that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boasts in the Lord. With the very same gospel, God eliminates all boasting in ourselves and he places it on Christ. 
When we put our faith in Jesus, what we're really saying is, he is my wisdom, he is my righteousness, he is my sanctification, he is my redemption, he is my everything and I have nothing apart from him. That's what we say when we believe the gospel. Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Prideful people boast in themselves, foolish Christians look to Jesus. Are we willing to make ourselves look silly so that people see how supremely valuable Jesus is to us? Wouldn't it be really cool if for every time we bragged on our kids, we bragged on Jesus? Every time we put up a Facebook post that said, look at what my family or what my kid did, we, we put a Facebook post that says, look at what my Savior did. That's what worship is. It's bragging on Jesus. It's boasting in Jesus. It's glorying in Christ Jesus. It's making much of Jesus. That's the point for which we were created. This world will tell whether you're a fool for Jesus by what you boast in. Do you grow in the knowledge of your political party more than you grow in the knowledge of your God? Do you boast in your career as much as you boast in your Savior? Are you as proud of your Lord as you are of your family? Prove it. God wants us to brag on Him, not because He's needy, because He's worthy. Worthy is the lamb. There's another one, a slain lamb who's also the lion. That doesn't make any sense to nobody except for us. Sorry, that's where my Kentucky came out, little the, the nobody. That's, I get grammatically incorrect when I get excited about Jesus. Let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. And I'm telling you, I'm, I'm convicted too. I, for, I mean, my wife must put a picture of my babies on Facebook every five minutes. And I do too. And I, I was convicted. Don't, let, don't, let me th don't think I'm just preaching to you. I'm thinking, how many times do I put something about Christ up there? There are many people out there who think that planting a church in a triple-wide trailer is foolish. Not me. Not me. Not you. Because y'all already did it. There are many people who think that building a higher steeple is more important than reaching unbelievers. Not us. What better way to become fools and to show people how supremely valuable our Savior is than to say, you know what, you don't got to come here, we're going to come to you. We're going to become fools for Covington. And that's why I'm here. Because y'all already share that vision. I'm joining in. This morning, I want to declare to you, Abby Todd is a fool for Jesus. And I would like to be a part of this body. I mean, I even visited it last time. I mean, it's nothing, it's nothing extraordinary. Gene can tell you. Was, I mean, it's just like a triple-wide modular out there. You kind of walk in and go, well, where's the coffee? But man, they start singing, and it's, you might as well be in a cathedral in there. You know why? Because 
They're worshiping the same Jesus in there as they are in here. And I want to be a part of that. So I want to end not with some kind of job interview plea. I want to end by preaching the very foolish gospel that I'm exhorting you to preach. Cody's going to be down front. If you have been struck by the Holy Spirit this morning and you're thinking, I want to be a fool. Christ receiveth sinful men and women. And isn't it amazing to think, isn't it just relieving to think that we don't have to change our message for a, a changing world? The same gospel today is the same gospel we've had for 2,000 years, and it says, come in, my burden is light, my yoke is easy, and all you've got to do is repent and believe in me. If that's you this morning, if you need to give your life and become a fool for Jesus, the altar is open. Let's pray. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Christ Jesus. We confess our unworthiness to you this morning that you would be so good to us. You would be faithful to us even when we are faithless. And when we, when we, we, we think we're too cool for you sometimes, but you keep telling us to come back to a foolish gospel, and that's, why, that's our plea and that's our desire this morning is to be fools for you. To, so that you can increase and that we can decrease. So that your name may be magnified and we may carry our cross. Lord Jesus, I pray that through First Baptist Covington and through Haynes Creek, the special things you have already been doing may continue in the name, in the precious name of your, Lord, of your son Jesus that we may become fools for you. And all these things we ask in your son's name. Amen. Oh, to see the dawn of the darkest day, Christ.